Now they're going after hunting and fishing? Yep. Here we go again. Who is or who was Jordan Neely? Really? We'll briefly talk about that. And the FDA is approving drugs that just don't work. You're not going to believe this one. Jam-packed show today. Got so much, all that and more, all coming up. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. That's this guy. And we are live on Rumble.com. And if I'm not mistaken, we're on our main channel tonight. Not the Jay Sheldon Show. I don't know why, but we are. Doesn't matter. That's fine. We just follow us over on the Jay Sheldon Show, either place or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we got lots going on tonight. We really do. Protect your online activity with the best and the easiest VPN, NordVPN. Use our special link down there in the show notes, and you will get an incredible deal. Three months at 59% off. That is a deal. Also, a big deal around these parts is our little Shiba Inu baby, Miko. And this is the Miko update. She's doing great. She uh, had a good walk this morning and about early, too. We went out like 6.30. The sun wasn't even up. And then tonight again, we went out uh, after just before sundown, got around the park. She saw her friends Shane and black and white dog that we don't know what his name is, but they get along great and have a lot of fun. And this is her in her usual, I'm hot trying to cool off mode. Oh, it's so embarrassing. She just lays there. If she had them, it'd be balls to the wall. But uh, yes, that's her, that's her normal sleeping pose. I don't know why it's a thing she would do and she does it too because uh, yeah I just because so apparently it's comfortable it doesn't look comfortable but apparently for her it is our Miko updates brought to you by the good folks at BarkBox BarkBox.com slash Miko is our special link and if you follow that link you will get an amazing offer one month free when you sign up for a multi-month subscription. BarkBox is a monthly box full of treats for your dog. Two toys, two bags of treats, and a dog chew. All natural ingredients, all good for your dog. If your dog has any allergies, there's a checkbox. You can uh, tick that off and they'll make sure you don't get whatever your dog is allergic to. That's no problem. And if you ever have any problem, which you won't, but if you should, they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. You just get a hold of their customer service folks who are amazing, and they will make it right no matter what. Sign up using our special link in the show notes, but it's easy to remember, BarkBox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O, and you will get that special deal, an extra month free when you sign up using our link. All right, let's do it. Bees do it. Bees do it. And educated fleas do it. Boy, that's an old song. <laughs> Very old song. All right. Yeah, our headline tonight. Here we go, folks. Biden faces criticism over a proposal this moron has come up with. And there you go. Apparently, they're proposing hunting restrictions targeting sportsmen. Hmm, they're not going to stop. 
the Biden administration facing strong criticism from sportsmen all the way across the country, organizations, advocates, recent proposals to ban lead ammunition use on federal lands, federal hunting lands. Uh, Critics say these proposals could pave the way for more aggressive measures against hunting and fishing. U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service anticipated to release draft guidelines. So it's only in the draft stage. Now is the time for you to call your representative and call bullcrap on this bullcrap. Let them know. Make your voice heard. Uh, These new guidelines would significantly restrict you uh, and your, what, what equipment you have, what hunting supplies you carry with you on federal refuge properties. A ban on lead munitions, fishing tackle, would uh, eliminate the use of affordable equipment, which would, of course, increase the overall cost of taking part in hunting and fishing. Todd Atkins, he's the VP of Government Affairs for the Sportsman Alliance pro-hunting group. He told Fox News Digital, quote, raising the cost of hunting raises the cost of fishing and raises the cost of our crowd doing their thing is objective number one, without a doubt, because they know if you make it more expensive, less people will do it, obviously. He further explains when it comes to the FSW, that's Federal Wildlife or whatever, Fish and Wildlife, the issuing a ban on various refuges as they expand hunting opportunities, that's all we're really asking. Number one, are you finding specific problems related to lead exposure at specific national wildlife refuges? And number two, have you evaluated the consequences that the ban would have on users, both hunters and anglers? Environmental groups, nutbags that they are, have constantly claimed that the use of lead ammunition has a negative impact on wildlife, waterways, and drinking water. Yeah. Advocates for hunting and fishing have stood their ground. Good for you. There is no, absolutely no scientific evidence to support those claims. But they're going to try anyway. They're coming after your guns one way or the other. Now they're coming after your fishing poles. How insane is this ridiculousness? Unbelievable. All right. Uh, We've all heard the story of uh, Jordan Neely, the fellow who was uh, killed on the subway in New York. We've all heard the story. We've seen the coverage. And this I wanted to share with you. It's from USA Today. This was their headline. Who was Jordan Neely, the New York subway victim? A young man in real crisis, advocates say. As though who knew him seek justice for the death, advocates say the challenges and dangers Jordan Neely faced are not unique. The public should focus on the needs of people experiencing homelessness and mental illness to understand the tragic, sudden, and violent death of Jordan Neely on the New York subway. Uh Uh-huh. Now, let me make something 
abundantly clear to you. Mr. Neely had 44 arrests. The attempted kidnapping of a seven-year-old girl, recent vicious assaults of an elderly woman that shattered her nose and busted her eye socket, all those completely eliminated from this story in USA Today. No mention of it, nothing at all. Mm. And you've seen the latest piece of video, which now shows uh, the uh, ex-Marine moving Neely over into the recovery position. Uh, we learn this in law enforcement, by the way. I assume the military also does. Uh, when someone uh, is injured, one of the ways, uh, one of the things you're supposed to do is to, once you've got them settled, is to move them on their side into what is called the recovery position. I learned this in uh, police academy. Uh, everyone does. And he, uh, while he was being thanked by the other passengers on the train, he was moving uh, Mr. Neely into the recovery position. So, there you go. Think from that what you will. The story continues, and of course, all the left-wing media is doing everything they can to, uh, to paint Mr. Neely as a saint, which he was not, quite clearly was not. All right, speaking of saints, St. Tucker. <laughs> yeah, Tucker Carlson has stayed in the news. He just won't go. And you know, all these behind-the-scenes uh, videos of Tucker Carlson that Media Matters has been leaking out trying to damage Tucker's reputation is really only, I mean, it's just adding zeros to his next paycheck. They are having exactly the opposite effect that these idiots think they are. But one of the, uh, one of the things that have been touched on is, is, are all these leaks coming from Fox through Media Matters? Well, I doubt it. Honestly, I don't think that would be the smart thing to do from Fox, and I, I really can't see that happening. And now this headline from TheBlaze.com. Check this out. Fox Corporation has warned Media Matters against sharing the leaked Tucker Carlson videos. Now, yes, that could just be so much baloney, so much bullcrap, you know, we're sending it to Media Matters. Media Matters is leaking it out. But we're going to say, hey, don't do that just to cover our asses. But, yeah, a cease and desist letter dispatched on behalf of Fox Corporation pressed Media Matters to stop sharing the leaked footage of Tucker Carlson. Says that uh, we write on behalf of Fox Corporation to clarify any misunderstandings Media Matters may have had regarding previously unaired footage that Media Matters has published as a series of article headline Fox Leaks. The unaired footage of Fox's confidential intellectual property. Fox did not consent to its distribution or publication, and Fox does not consent to further distribution or publication. That is from the letter. So there you go. Now, believe them or not, remains to be seen, but Fox is saying, we ain't doing it, and you should stop doing it. Cease and desist. That 
is yet another twist in this very, very weird Fox story as it goes. Unbelievable. It just gets... And like I said, they think it's hurting Tucker. It ain't. It absolutely ain't. It's just, like I said, it's adding zeros to this guy's paycheck. All right. We're going to take on Big Pharma tonight, the drug industry, and the stupidity of the drug industry. Uh, I want to start with this video. It's a little long. I'm not going to play the whole thing. But this is frightening. Frightening, to say the least. Take a listen to this interview. It's important. Here we go. I think the most important thing that people need to understand, uh, Jan, is that there are too many people with financial conflicts of interest that are influencing health policy. So the most important thing we can do is actually remove those financial conflicts of interest. It shouldn't be there in medicine at all because it's going to corrupt the doctor-patient relationship. And what does that mean? Well, it means, you know, first and foremost, the regulators, medical regulators, shouldn't be taking money from industry. Um, Drug companies themselves, you know, I think their track record over the last few decades, overall they've had a negative impact on society because of the fact that the way that they exaggerate the safety and um, the benefits of their, uh, their pharma pharmacological products. Let me just, let me just say, you said drug companies have overall had a negative effect on society. Yes. That's, that, that's interesting. So, for example, between 2000 and 2008, um, this is critical. Uh, of the 667 drugs approved by the FDA, 75% of them were essentially copies of old ones. So, you know, they change the molecules here and there. They patent these drugs. It's huge waste, and who pay, we, we pay, the taxpayer pays for it. And by the time somebody's worked out, it's no better than a, a, a cheaper and possibly safer drug. They've moved on to the next one. Only 11% of drugs were true. See? Only 11% of drugs work. That's what the pharmaceutical companies are shoving down your throat. Good, hmm? nice, happy about that? You shouldn't be. You should be pissed off about that. This, actually this, uh, unbelievably, but this article that I found is from PBS, of all things. Unbelievable, but links in our show, uh, show notes tonight, you wanna check it out. The FDA increasingly approves drugs without conclusive proof that they work. What? Huh. Nuplazid, a drug for, yeah, no thank you. A drug for uh, hallucinations and delusions associated with Parkinson's disease failed two clinical trials. In a third trial, under a revised standard, so basically they, they changed the goalposts, it showed minimal benefit. Overall, more patients died or had serious side effects on Nuplazid than those receiving no treatment at all. Patients on Euloric, a gout drug, suffered more heart attacks, strokes, and heart failures in two out of three trials than, than did their counterparts on standard or no medication. 
Nevertheless, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved both of these drugs with very deadly consequences. They approved them in spite of those kind of test results. This is your FDA that you're paying for. This article, and I cannot believe this is from left, I mean, uber left-wing PBS. But they take them to the cleaners in this article. It's amazing. Nice to see, PBS. You know, got to give a hat tip when a hat tip is due, and it's due here. This article is insane. You must read this. Share it out with your friends. They just, (coughs) excuse me, (laughs) it's insane. It is absolutely insane. The way we prescribe drugs and modern psychiatry is a nightmare. Give a listen to this. When I went to medical school, there were only six or seven items in the manual. Now there are over 300. I mean, you mean to tell me that there have been 294 diseases discovered in the last 60 years? In, in In psychiatry alone? It's a joke. It's an epidemic. <laughs> of psychiatry that we, have, we are dealing with. We don't have an epidemic of mental illness, we have an epidemic of psychiatry. <laughs> you eat too much, it's a disease, it's an addiction. You smoke too much, it's a disease. You are too unhappy, it's a disease. You're too thin, it's a disease. You're too fat, it's a disease. You have too little sex, it's a disease. You have too much sex, it's a disease. No free will, it's all chemicals. No self-discipline, no self-control. The chemical imbalance meshes very well with the idea that you give a drug which restores the balance. It's a story, a mythology, a fable, and that's a baseline from which we're operating now in America. The, the, the child doesn't perform the way he should or behaves, he, should. he is not responsible. Some chemicalists will give him a chemical. You hear day in and day out on television that this is a mental illness and that's a mental illness, and, and, and Zoloft is advertised. Beer you can't advertise, but Zoloft you can advertise. Hmm. Now this is it's not just psychiatry, it's the whole psychiatrization of the culture. Now what's more toxic, Zoloft or beer? Exactly. We're, we are... And how many of these shooters and people we've, we've, we've seen, especially in the last few months have been prescribed God knows what sort of psychiatric drugs. Take a look at what, this is Tucker Carlson. I I called this, it's a crime because it is. Give a listen. Putting chemicals into your brain that rearrange your brain chemistry, um, you know, while maybe a good idea in some rare number of cases is insane. And just like macro level, think about it. Let's say, for example, anxiety, which is something that every person feels at one time or another, which is another a synonym for fear, anxiety. And so the first response of your doctor, your healthcare provider, is to prescribe you something to make it go away, a benzodiazepine, Xanax, or, or some other. Think about what that means. You're feeling anxiety. Why? Because you have a brain chemical imbalance? No, probably in response to something that in, should inspire fear. In other words, if you said to me, I burned the shit out of my hand on my stove. And I said, I've got just the topical anesthetic that will take the pain away so you can put your hand back onto the stove. You would 
correctly say that's insane. My hand hurts because it's a sign from my body telling me to keep my hand off the stove. Anxiety is the same. It is a warning that you are not living in a way that brings you peace. So why don't we just pause for a second and go through how you're living? How are your relationships with other people? Are you drinking too much? Do you have a fulfilling job? Are you getting fresh air in nature? How about sunlight? Are you spending your entire life behind a screen? Maybe that's why you're feeling anxious. None of those factors are ever addressed. Those are the core factors. It is a warning sign. If you're having panic attacks, which many people have had, I have had, that is a sign that you need to reassess how you are living and to medicate it away and not address the cause of it is malpractice. And given what we know now about the side effects of benzos and of all these other SSRIs, all the amphetamines that we hand people in the name of curing attention deficit disorder, all of that, given the downsides of those drugs, in some case, the fatal downsides, it's it's a crime. What would you say? It's actually a crime. It's... Yes, thank you, Tucker. Exactly right. It is a crime. And yet, day after day, in and out, psychiatrists write these scripts like they're giving them away like candy. And then you see an article like the one we just showed in our show notes tonight from PBS about how the FDA is approving drugs that not only don't work, but kill people in the trials. That should scare the crap out of you. And yet, we allow it to continue. We allow it to continue. Frightening. All right. The WEF is back in the news. Every time, every time I do one of these stories, I shake my head and go, what is it this time? Well, here's a great headline for you from Reclaim the Net. The WEF is calling on leaders, world leaders, these unelected idiots. I want to say something else. They're calling on leaders to make good use of mass data collection using satellite data, biological data, and citizen-generated data. Oh, there's a new one. One of the recent proposals to come out of the World Economic Forum is to develop ways to harvest and monetize satellite data, biological data, and citizen-generated data. Uh, no, thank you. Here we go. Penned by MIT Media Lab researcher engineer Mino Rathnasabathapi and Helen Burdett, who head the WEF's technology strategy, posted on the group's website. The proposal calls for putting all this spuriously collected, in the first place, data to good use now. We're talking points here like sustainable development the supposed advocacy in mainstream media and informal global cabals like the WF hardly ever goes into any useful detail. Beyond lip service, nothing other than what serves the grand narrative. Apparently the idea is to harness Earth's satellite observation data and services in a way that would help sustainable development in unforeseen ways outside of just the scientific community. Mm. Yeah, 
So they are encouraging our governments to harvest the data and use it now. See, we interrupted their flow. We stopped their great reset agenda. And if you doubt me, Schwab there wrote a book, and you know what it was called? The Great Reset. We screwed them up, though. Four years of Trump screwed up the hell out of them. And they are so afraid of another four years that they are going to do anything, and I mean anything, to stop that from happening, which should scare the hell out of you. Blaze Media... Another story here, Democratic candidate in Virginia bashed parents and said, these are the parents. This Democratic candidate said the parents are incapable of deciding the school curriculum for their own kids. And this moron will probably get elected. A Democratic candidate for the Virginia House of Delegates facing a firestorm, good, from parents after a video resurfaced showing her insulting them as incapable of deciding the curriculum for their kids. Jesse Anderson posted a video during the 2021 gubernatorial race where she mocked parents who is uh, votes she's now seeking. Hmm. I'm sorry, she says in the video, but I've seen some of the parents that live in Virginia. You should not be dictating what your daughter and son's curriculum looks like. Huh. I'm not going to play this idiot because she doesn't deserve the airtime. But it's important you know about this story, and these are the kind of Democratic morons that are running for office and in some cases, sadly, getting elected. She went on to insult homeschooling parents as well. If you want to do that, there's a thing called homeschool. Indoctrinate them there, but not in my kids' public schools, she added. Fox News asked her to comment on the resurfaced video. She uh, objected that critics were dishonestly claiming she called parents crazy when she never used the word. Yeah. Keep digging. She says, I support every parent, every step of the way. I've also seen incredible communications between our teachers and parents in my district when concerns arise. Well, obviously, you weren't thinking that when you put out this video, were you? Frightening. Links in our show notes to that story. It's from theblaze.com. I encourage you to check it out, read it, and... uh, Find out more about it. Find out more what the idiots who are trying to represent you in Congress, locally, federally, wherever it might be, exactly what's on their mind. You know, we covered this one day, I think, last week when I posed the question, what the hell is wrong with the Irish? Well, apparently nothing is wrong with the Irish. It's the people they've elected to represent them. Take a look at this follow-up story, again from Reclaim the Net. Ireland wanted public input on the proposed censorship bill, and it is a wicked one. We talked about it. Check it out. The majority said they actually prefer free speech. And so now, 
they're not interested in what the public says anymore. Mm. Irish government has decided they are going to move forward with the criminal justice bill 2022, despite the fact that a majority of public consultation responses were against the proposal. The public said, we don't want it. They said, tough noogies, you're going to get it anyway, good and hard. The bill was initiated October 2022, which is why it has that name, even though it's 2023, and it aims to address hate speech in Ireland. Unbelievable. We're running a public consultation on hate speech to find out how our laws can be approved. You can, uh, your followers, you can tell us what you think. Well, they did. They said, we don't like this bill. We don't want you stepping your grubby little mitts in our business. Stay the hell out of it. And basically, then they said, oh, okay, never mind. We're not interested in your opinion anymore. These are the people running your affairs in Ireland. Is that what you want? I'm about a third Irish, so come on, Irish people. Let's go. Get your ass off the chair and do something about it before it's too late. It it probably already is too late because you elected these morons into, uh, into their positions. You need to do something about it fast. All right, this is from the postmillennial.com. Quick story about D. Snyder. You remember D. Snyder? Here's D. Snyder. Let me take a look at it. There you go. Now you know D. Snyder, right? <laughs> what was that group? You know what? I, I'm terrible with pop culture back in those days. And that was like one of my eras, the 80s, which was when uh, D. Snyder was, was a big. D. Snyder has been axed from the San Francisco Pride lineup because he tweeted out, he sent out a tweet opposing child sex changes. Good on you, D. You know what? There was a time when I felt pretty too. Glad my parents didn't jump to any rash conclusions. D. Snyder's been axed from the lineup of the San Francisco Pride Parade this year over an alleged transphobic tweet in which he agreed with a statement criticizing child sex changes. Uh, San Francisco Pride had been on the cusp of announcing... Ah, Twisted Sister. That's the group. (laughs) Oh, man. They were announcing Twisted Sister's song, We're Not Gonna Take It, as the official rallying cry. Remember that? We're not gonna take it. Yeah, man. Big... Was it 80s thing, I think? Anyway, Snyder was gonna perform the song on center stage... And then he sent out a tweet calling child sex changes sad and dangerous fad. And suddenly they said, no thanks. Yeah. There is uh, Paul Stanley's tweet at Paul Stanley Live. If you want to follow him, read that for yourself. Statement went viral, outpouring of both support and outrage. Snyder, quote, tweeted the message, uh, commending the Kiss singer-guitarist. You know what? There was a time when I actually felt pretty too, he tweeted. Glad my parents didn't jump to any rash conclusions. There you go. There's the actual tweet. Quoted back from Paul Stanley from Kiss's uh, comments. And so San Francisco Pride said, No thanks. 
we're not interested anymore. That's great. And frankly, D, I think you're probably a hell of a lot better off. Unbelievably. Go ahead, have your pride parades, have your whatever drag shows, but keep your hands off our kids. Could not care less what you do. You do you for other adults. Keep your hands off the kids. All right, New York Post. Man, I'll tell you what. I'm a Trump supporter. I will always be a Trump supporter. I cannot wait for him to get back into office in 2024. God willing, that will happen. But you know what? Bob Kennedy is impressing the hell out of me. God forbid. But you know, to be fair, he's a Democrat, but he is going against the grain on almost everything having to do with what the Democratic Party stands for these days. And good on you, Robert Kennedy Jr. Amazing, this guy. Look him up. Check out his speeches. Find out his platform. He's running for president on the Democratic Party ticket. He's running for the Democratic nominee. And I'm telling you, you could do a lot worse, Democrats. You could learn a lesson from this guy. This link's in our show notes from New York Post. Robert Kennedy Jr. blames the CIA for the JFK assassination, fueling a controversial claim. He blames the CIA for the November 22, 1963 assassination of his uncle, John F. Kennedy, proclaiming it beyond a reasonable doubt. He made the bombshell accusation about a murder that sparked many controversy and conspiracy theories. During an interview Sunday on ABC 77 AM, uh, Cat's Roundtable, he said here, there's overwhelming evidence the CIA was involved in his murder. I think it's beyond reasonable doubt at this point, Kennedy said. The evidence is overwhelming. The CIA was involved in the murder and the cover-up. Wow. Kennedy Jr. cited James Douglas's book, JFK and the Unspeakable, as compiling the most evidence on the topic. Haven't read that one. I have to check it out. Labeled denials of the CIA's role as a 60-year cover-up. There it is. I'm telling you, like I said, you're not going to change my mind and... Uh, Get me to vote for anybody other than Donald J. Trump. However, all things considered, this guy's got some good talking points and some, inter you know, like I said, Democrats, you could learn a lesson or two. You really could. All right. <laughs> I got one more for you before we move on to our book. We're doing 1984 from George Orwell, which is amazing. And no... I do not read Teen Vogue, but this article was probably the best one I could find on our final good news story here. Uh, so hang on a quick second here and take a look. Yes, it is a hot dog with mustard, ketchup, and sauerkraut. People complain about putting ketchup on, on hot dogs. I love ketchup on hot dogs. What's wrong with that? Ketchup, relish, mustard, sauerkraut? Absolutely. But people think it's like you know, I'm the Antichrist because I put ketchup on my hot dogs. Mm, whatever. All right. 
someone, this little guy, 13 years old, Jaquan, is it Jaquan? Jaquan, 13 years old, Jaquan Faulkner's hot dog stand. He set up a hot dog stand on his front yard, like so many kids do. And some Karen called the authorities on this 13-year-old's hot dog stand. Business had been booming for 13-year-old Faulkner in Minneapolis as he's been running a successful hot dog stand with the help of his uncle. The teen's business, Mr. Faulkner's Old Fashioned Hot Dogs, he's 13, has become a neighborhood staple. Minneapolis health inspectors received a complaint about his hot dog stand. Some Karen butthole out there obviously you know, just had to stick their nose in somebody else's business. Anyway, they got a complaint, and believe it or not, the health inspectors stepped in and helped. This is such a feel-good story. Similar to Permit Patty, someone reported the teen's stand for operating without a permit. When I realized what it was, I said, no, we're not going to just go shut him down like we would an unlicensed vendor. Minneapolis Environmental Health Director Dan Huff. We can help him get the permit. Let's make this a positive thing and help him become a business owner. So they did. The staff of the health department provided him with thermometers, food containers, hand sanitizers, utensil cleaning stations. They also provided him with information on how to properly handle food. After he passed a health inspection, inspectors paid the $87 required to obtain the permit. Yes! Surprisingly, I'm like, dang, the city's not the bad guys in this situation. They're actually the ones who are helping me. Jaquan told the uh, care to, it makes me feel kind of, well, not kind of, it makes me feel really proud that people know what I'm doing. The health department also connected the teen with the Northside Economic Opportunity Network, a nonprofit that works to empower underserved entrepreneurs in the community. And they met with the teen to learn more about his goals and help him put together a business plan. Wow. Look at that. Fantastic. So, Karen, your little dime drop to the health department you thought would put this kid out of business? He's going at it bigger and better than ever before. <laughs> I love it. All right. <laughs> Keep it up. Look around and find out. Mm. Mm. By the way, you see this? I don't think you can. There we go. That's the Jay Sheldon Show coffee mug. You've got t-shirts, hoodies, even a Bluetooth speaker. It's all in our show notes. Top link for the Jay Sheldon merchandise store. And below that is this really cool, they're canvas prints of AI-generated art based on the Jay Sheldon Show. They're weird, I'm warning you. And they're exclusive. They've all been signed by me. We're only allowing 10 of them to be sold of each one. Once the 10 units of that print has been sold 
We take it out of the store and it's gone. So check it out. You'll find that also in our show notes. It's the second link down there. And also thank you for following the buttons right over here. Okay. All right. So we have been doing 1984. We read books on this show. Previously, we've been doing all kinds of children's books. Uh, Peter Pan, The Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, The Little Prince, you name it. We've done a ton of books. And someone wrote and suggested that we should do, because of the nature of this show, 1984. And because of the times that we live in. I couldn't think of a better title. So, without further ado, let's move on over to our book, 1984, by George Orwell. In its second minute, the hate had rose to a frenzy. People were leaping up and down in their places and shouting at the tops of their voices in an effort to drown the maddening, bleating voice that came from the screen. The little sandy-haired woman had turned bright pink, and her mouth was opening and shutting like that of a landed fish. Even O'Brien's heavy face was flushed. He was sitting very straight in his chair, his powerful chest swelling and quivering as though he were standing up to the assault of a wave. The dark-haired girl behind Winston had been crying out, Swine! 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 And suddenly, she picked up a heavy newspeak dictionary and flung it at the screen. It struck Goldstein's nose and bounced off, and the voice continued inexorably. In a lucid moment, Winston found he was shouting with the others and kicking his heels violently against the rung of his chair. The horrible thing about the two minutes' hate was not that one was obliged to act a part, but on the contrary, it was impossible to avoid joining in. Within 30 seconds, any pretense was always unnecessary. A hideous ecstasy of fear, vindictiveness, a desire to kill, to torture, to smash faces with a sledgehammer, seemed to flow through the whole group of people like an electric current, turning one even against one's will into a grimacing, screaming lunatic. And yet, the rage that one felt was an abstract, undirected emotion which could be switched from one object to another like the flame of a blow lamp. Thus, at one moment, Wilson's hatred was not turned against Goldstein at all, but, on the contrary, against Big Brother, the party, and the Thought Police. And at such moments his heart went out to the lonely, derided heretic on the screen. Sole guardian of truth and sanity in a world of lies. And yet, the very next instant, he was at one with the people about him. And all that was said of Goldstein seemed to him to be true. At those moments, his secret loathing of Big Brother changed into adoration. And Big Brother seemed to tower up an invincible, fearless protector, standing like a rock against the hordes of Asia and Goldstein. 
in spite of his isolation, his helplessness, and the doubt that hung about his very existence, seemed like some sinister enchanter, capable by the mere power of his voice of wrecking the structure of civilization. It was even possible at moments to switch one's hatred this way or that by a voluntary act. Suddenly, by the sort of violent effort with which one wrenches one's head away from the pillow in a nightmare, Winston succeeded in transferring his hatred from the face on the screen to the dark-haired girl behind him. Vivid, beautiful hallucinations flashed through his mind. He'd flog her to death with a rubber truncheon. He'd tie her naked to a stake and shoot her full of arrows like St. Sebastian. He'd ravish her, cut her throat at the moment of climax. Better than before, moreover, he realized why it was that he hated her. He hated her because she was young and pretty and sexless, because he wanted to go to bed with her and never would do so, because round her sweet, supple waist, which seemed to ask you to encircle it with your arms, there was only the odious scarlet sash, aggressive symbol of chastity. The hate rose to its climax. The voice of Goldstein had become an actual sheep's bleat, and for an instant the face changed to that of a sheep. Then the sheep face melted into the figure of a Eurasian soldier who seemed to be advancing, huge, terrible, his submachine gun roaring and seeming to spring out of the surface of the screen so that some of the people in the front row actually flinched backwards in their seats. But in the same moment, drawing a deep sigh of relief from everybody, the hostile figure melted into the face of Big Brother, black-haired, black-mustached, full of power, mysterious calm, and so vast that it almost filled up the screen. Nobody heard what Big Brother was saying. It was merely a few words of encouragement, the sort of words that are uttered in the din of battle, not distinguishable individually, but restoring confidence by the fact that they were spoken. Then the face of Big Brother faded away, and instead the three slogans of the party stood out in bold capitals. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. But the face of Big Brother seemed to persist for several seconds on the screen, so the impact that it had made on everyone's eyeballs was too vivid to wear off immediately. The little sandy-haired woman had flung herself forward over the back of the chair in front of her, with a tumultuous murmur that sounded like, My Savior! She extended her arms toward the screen. Then she buried her face in her hands. It was apparent she was uttering a prayer. At this moment, the entire group of people broke into a deep, slow, rhythmic chant of 
BB BB over and over again very slowly with a long pause between the first B and the second a heavy murmurous sound something how curiously savage in the background of which one seemed to hear the stamp of naked feet and the throbbing of tom-toms. For perhaps as much as thirty seconds they kept it up. It was a refrain that was often heard in moments of overwhelming emotion. Partly, it was a sort of hymn to the wisdom and majesty of Big Brother, but still more it was in an act of self-hypnosis, a deliberate drowning of consciousness, by means of rhythmic noise. Winston's entrails seemed to grow cold. In the two minutes of hate, he could not help sharing in the general delirium. But this subhuman chanting of B, 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 always filled him with horror. Of course, he chanted with the rest. It was impossible to do otherwise. To disassemble your feelings, to control your face, to do what everyone else was doing was an instinctive reaction. But there was a space of a, a couple of seconds during which the expression of his eyes might conceivably have betrayed him. And it was exactly at this moment the significant thing happened, if indeed it did happen. Momentarily, he caught O'Brien's eye. O'Brien had stood up. He'd taken off his spectacles and was in the act of resettling them on his nose with his characteristic gesture. But there was a fraction of a second when their eyes met and for as long as it took to happen, Winston knew, yes, he knew, that O'Brien was thinking the same thing as himself. An unmistakable message had passed. It was as though their two minds had opened and the thoughts were flowing from one into the other through their eyes. I am with you, O'Brien seemed to be saying to him. I know precisely what you're feeling. I know all about your contempt, your hatred, your disgust. But don't worry. I'm on your side. And then the flash of intelligence was gone. And O'Brien's face was as inscrutable as everyone else's. And that was all. He'd already uncertain whether it had even happened. Such incidents never had any sequel. All that they did was to keep alive in him the belief or hope that others besides himself were the enemies of the party. Perhaps the rumors of vast underground conspiracies were true after all. Perhaps the Brotherhood really existed. It was impossible in spite of the endless arrests and confessions and executions to be sure that Brotherhood was not simply a myth. Some days he believed in it, some days not. There was no evidence, only feeding glimpses that might mean anything or nothing. 
snatches of overheard conversation, faint scribbles on lavatory walls. Once even, when two strangers met, a, a small movement of the hand, which had looked as though it might be a signal of recognition. It was all guesswork. Very likely, he'd imagined everything. He'd gone back to his cubicle without looking at O'Brien again. The idea of following up their momentary contact hardly crossed his mind. It would have been inconceivably dangerous, if even if he'd known how to set about doing it. For a second, two seconds, they'd exchanged an equivocal glance. And that was the end of the story. But even that was a memorable event. The locked loneliness in which one had to live. His eyes refocused on the page. He discovered that while he sat helplessly musing, he'd also been writing, as though by automatic action. And it was no longer the same cramped, awkward handwriting as before. His pen had slid voluptuously over the smooth paper, printing in large, neat capitals. Down with Big Brother. Down with Big Brother. Down with Big Brother. Down with Big Brother. Over and over again. Filling half a page. Could not help but feel a twinge of panic. It was absurd, since the writing of those particular words was not more dangerous than the initial act of opening the diary. But for a moment... He was tempted to tear out the spoiled pages and abandon the enterprise altogether. He did not do so, however, because he knew that it was useless. And that's where we'll leave it for tonight. We'll continue on with George Orwell's 1984 coming up tomorrow on our next stream. I'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you so much for stopping by and watching. Give us a like and a follow and spread the word. Share the page out and uh, let people know what's going on here Monday through Friday at 10 o'clock. I'll see you again tomorrow night. This has been the Jay Sheldon Show. Good night. <laughs>